I am the healer of a broken heart. Trust me, the Savior says to us today. I am the healer of a broken heart. Trust me. Trust me. The question before us this morning in the light of that statement is, can you, will you trust him with your broken heart today? Now that, that's, uh, that's the beginning point, but I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 2 for just a moment. I, I'm just going to reference that. You don't need to turn there unless you want to. The angel, and probably it was Gabriel, who had already appeared to Mary to tell her of what her future beheld. The angel stood there before those shepherds that night, and he said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of a brand new kind of news that you've never, ever heard before. And it is a great joy. It is a great joy. It is the source of a great joy which shall be to all the people. For tonight, in the city of David, there is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now there's one word out of that statement that the angel made to those shepherds that night that I want you to lock in on with me for just a few minutes this morning. It is the word Christ, Christ. There is born to you this night in the city of David a savior, a rescuer, a deliverer, a preserver who is Christ the Lord. If you wrote down the word Christ and you put an equal sign out by the side of it, this is the dominant synonym. This is the main equal to word in the Bible for the word Christ. It is the word anointed. The anointed one. The anointed one. The anointed one. Well, what in the world does the word anointed mean? In a Bible sense. Not in a secular sense, but in a Bible sense. Here's what it means. It means to be set apart by God. They anointed priests. They would anoint various articles or instruments in the, in the synagogue or in the temple. It means to be set apart for God, but with this, with this addition, set apart for God, set apart by God for a specific purpose. 
a specific purpose. And along with that specific purpose comes heaven's power. Supernatural, devil-defying, sin-defeating, God-causing-to-happen power for the accomplishing of the purpose. Sometimes it would be associated with a specific time frame. God's purpose, working in God's person, endued with specific God power for a very special God time. The ultimate expression of the anointed one was not what happened in the temple in Jerusalem or what would happen with priests or with prophets or even with apostles who would come under the anointing of the Spirit. But the ultimate expression was the person of Jesus Christ. He is the only one with the title, the anointed one. So when the angel says there's a Savior who has been born for you in the city of David this night, and he is Christ the Lord. He was saying he is the one set apart by God for the accomplishing of God's full purpose, and he has in his access the full measure of every type of power necessary for the accomplishing of that purpose. We know him as Jesus. Jesus, and that name means Savior, Rescuer. That's why the most powerful prayer you can ever pray, no matter what's happened at work, no matter what's going on with your kids, no matter what health news you've gotten, the most powerful word you'll ever pray or prayer you'll ever pray is a name. Just speak his name, Jesus, Jesus. When you don't know what else to say, when you don't have any other answer for what's before you, when you don't even know what the next step is you're supposed to take, and that word, that name rises up in your spirit, speak it. It's the name that speaks of victory. It's the name that speaks of deliverance. It's the name that speaks of power. Jesus, Jesus. So what was Jesus the Christ anointed to do? The purpose of God and the power of God dispensed to accomplish the purpose, what was the power going to be used for? Well, I'm just so glad you asked that question this morning. That opens up the whole next portion of study, and I want you to find Isaiah chapter 61 in your Bible. Now, if you want to look up here to these words on the screen, that is all right, but the only problem with words on the screen is you can't underline them, and you can't highlight them, and you can't put a date by the side of it, and you can't put an exclamation mark by the side of it, and you can't write, thank you, Jesus, for what you just said. And I'm, I'm all about the technical part, but I, I just believe you need your own Bible. You need your own leather-bound, going-to-wear-it-out Bible. 
So that's free, and I do not represent any Bible publishing companies, I'll have you know. I just feel like it's important. You, you, need, you need to be able to see it and look at it. So here we go, Isaiah chapter 61. Keeping in mind, the angel said, he's the anointed one. He's set apart for this purpose. For the purposes of God. He's endued with power from God for the accomplishing of specific things. What are those specific things that Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one, would be endued with power to accomplish? Jesus is in Nazareth. It's recorded in Luke chapter 4. He comes into the synagogue there in Nazareth, where he grew up as a boy. Evidently, it was the specific date when the reading of Isaiah 61 would fall. He comes in on that day. They recognize him. He takes the scroll, and he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. He has sent me to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness and the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild their ancient cities. Who will rebuild the ancient cities? The ones who had broken hearts, the ones who were afflicted, the ones who were prisoners, the ones who were oppressed, these, these will not stay in that place forever. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. At some point in the reading, it says that Jesus closed the book and he said to them, today in your hearing, these words have been fulfilled. So what did he come to do? What was the anointed one anointed to do? He was anointed to do the things that he just read from Isaiah 61. And chief among those listed, a part of all those listed is that one phrase, I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. I've come, and the word bind up means a doctor or a nurse at the place of a broken bone or at the place of a cut or a wound would take a bandage large enough to fit whatever the injury would be 
and would wrap. The word literally means to wrap around the place that's broken. It speaks of the personal attention of the healer. It speaks of the specific understanding of what the, what the need is and the situation requires on the part of the healer. And it seems to indicate because it's being bound up that it's going to take a little bit of time for the bone to set, for the wound to clear. I've come to bind up. In effect, I've come to heal the broken hearted. Now let's take that word broken hearted we say it like that in English, but it literally in the Hebrew Old Testament has a couple of words linked together, and one is the word for heart, and the other is an adjective that we translate broken. But here's what it says. It basically is meaning the word, the word broken means broken down, broken off, broken in pieces crushed, destroyed, quenched, as if there was a fire blazing, a flame working, and something came and put the fire out. Something snuffed out the fire, quenched or torn. A heart that is broken down, broken off, broken in pieces, a heart that's been crushed, even destroyed. A heart that has had its fire put out. But what's the word heart? What's the word heart? What does it mean? Broken hearted. The word for heart, and whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, at the core of it, it means the same thing. That which is the central part of the person. If you cook that person all down into just one essence, that would be the person's heart. It includes the feeling part of the heart, the emotional part of the heart. But it also includes the choosing part of the heart, the will part of the heart, the volitional part of the heart. And then it also means the intellectual part, the rational part, the thinking part of the heart. Can you imagine how loaded that statement is for the scripture to say when the anointed one comes, here's how you'll know you've met him. Here's how you'll know he's here. Because he will be able to move into the very center of people at the place of who they really are that is informed by the feelings that they have, contributed to by the choices that they have made and will make, and then added to all of that just the way they think. And he is able to move into that place and where there have been things that have been broken up, 
torn in pieces, crushed, wounded, even destroyed, you'll know that the anointed one has entered the room because he can fix it at that level so that the brokenhearted don't remain brokenhearted, that the ones captive by the way they thought or felt or what things were done to them, the emotional impact of those, they won't stay captives. The ones who are mourning and grieving and sad day in and day out, they won't stay that way when the anointed one comes because he will have the ability to take the sadness off to take the gloom off, to take the mourning off and clothe them up with a garment of praise. And no longer a spirit of fainting, but they'll have a spirit of rejoicing. In the very place that they're broken, in the very place where they've been crushed. Now here's something interesting about that. He's not just talking about folks who are so brokenhearted emotionally that they cry all day long or they got a soft, fuzzy blanket and pulled up over them and they're on a couch and they're so down and they're so sad they can't even get up to face another day. It includes that. That level of brokenness that kind of sadness. You lost somebody you love. Something has happened that overwhelmed you to the place that you just don't have any air in your lungs left emotionally. That's covered too. But it also means somebody who's still got to run a business. Somebody who's still got to figure out a way to take care of ones that or counting on him or her. But down at the core of who they are, something has happened that has broken their heart. They go on. They can't afford to be crying all day and not being productive. They, they're productive. They do what they need to do. But they've got a broken, heavy heart about something. Oh, the good news, I just can't hardly stand it this morning. The way you'll know that the anointed one, the true Christ, the real Jesus, has moved into where you live and where we are and who we really are is that he has the ability through his power, through his anointing, to heal your broken heart. It's not saying that it will necessarily happen immediately. It could happen that way. But he binds up the broken place. He knows where the broken place is. And he's able with his power to make you well. You know, the sad thing about it is sometimes we don't even know that that's, that is Jesus, that, that we, we have the right to look to him in this way. And so we, we do like we do with a, with a rock that slipped over the edge of a boot and got in the bottom of our foot. 
and, and, and we walk around because we ain't got time to stop to untie the boot or undo the boot to get the rock out of the boot. But we, we walk or we get a, we have a piece of wood, something get, get, a, get a splinter in your hand and just, just work all day just living around it, just limping with the rock in my shoe and soft to touch with the hand that's, that's wounded. When in reality, it's not going to get any better. Listen to me. <laughs> it's not going to get any better until you stop, sit down, take the boot off. Dump the rock out and put the boot back on. Do I have a witness now? So, so what we're saying is we, we, can, we can act all day long like I don't have a boot in my shoe. I don't have a broken heart. I don't have time to mess with it. I don't have time to stop. So sometimes, folks, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a shoulder deal or it's a neck thing. Or there's something in the knee. And, and we've been through five bottles of Advil in a week. And the folks around us will say, why don't you go see a doctor? You're sucking the Advil bottles bone drop. You're limping through your daily routine when there's a doctor somebody help me now when there's a doctor that can help you I want to just back up and take a running start I wish I was an African American preacher at this point I could, I could convey it better when I get to heaven that's what I am going to be I do believe that the Lord's going to bless me with that ability to communicate Somebody needs to say, call the doctor. Now, not just call the doctor, go see the doctor. But, but folks, if you won't admit, my thinking's off. If you won't admit, I keep choosing this, I keep choosing this, I keep choosing this. And I don't know why I keep choosing this. But every time I choose it, it makes stuff worse instead of better. I got something broken in my chooser. I got something broken in my thinker. My default position is always defeat. My default position is the whole world's against me. My default position is I can't ever rise about what I've done before. What kind of person would you be? What kind of person would you be if that broken place in your heart got fixed? Who is it that is said has the power to heal a broken heart, to rescue us from the places that our broken minds can take us, Rescue us from the bad 
choices that would just keep making again and again because we don't have power to heal ourselves. And who is the one who has the ability to bend low to the very place of your deepest personal sadness and sorrow and heal you? Take the poison, the pain out of the memories. I don't believe it means that he just all of a sudden comes and hits delete and certain things that have happened to us that we've heard, seen, felt suddenly disappear. He has the power to suck the poison out of the memories so that we can see a face and not be crushed by it. We can remember a story and not be dead by it. He has the power to just extract the pain, extract the poison, and breathe life into that which is left. He gave Lazarus back to his sisters. He didn't give him another brother. He gave Lazarus back to Mary and Martha. He breathed life back into the very thing, the very situation that had broken their hearts. I want to give you, and this will not be an exhausted list, exhaustive list, but I want to give you five blessings of a broken heart. Oh, boy, the, the amen was thunderous, just thunderous right there. They do, the two. They sound like they're mutually exclusive terms. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. You could if you want to. How many of you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord? You had maybe heard about him before, but, but you really came to know him. You invited him into your heart. You received him. And you, you hadn't been perfect since then, but somebody's been inside you working to change you. How many of you had that happen to you? Listen, the question incomplete yet. How many, of you, how many of you had that happen to you during a season of a broken heart? A confused mind, a will that was killing you. You see, that's one of the things, one of the benefits of a broken heart. You can write this one down. Is that a broken heart opens you up to the voice of God. A broken heart will open you up to the voice of God because the broken heart has convinced me the weight of that, the impact of that, the, the never being able to get away from it is showing me I can't fix myself. I can't help myself. I can plow around. I can, I can live like I don't have a rock in my shoe. I, don't, I can live like I don't have a, have a splinter in my thumb. But at the end of the day, the hurt is real. The pain is there. The confusion is there. And it caused me to look somewhere 
else. It caused me to listen. This is a, this is a great psalm, psalm number 107. Let me just read two or three of these verses. Psalm 107, verse 17. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. And then watch this. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. He sent his word and it healed them. Sometimes and more often than not in the place of our brokenness, we got great big ears and a little bitty mouth. Do I have a witness? That when the Lord wants to get our attention, he's got our attention. And somehow in the middle of a season when it seems as if nobody else is loving you, nobody else cares for your soul, there can be the registry and it seems like it's just from another world. And it is from another world. The Lord God speaking into your broken heart saying, but I love you. I've not given up on you. There's hope for you. There's a future for you. Turn your life over to me. I'll lead your life. One of the blessings of a broken heart is that it opens you to the voice of God. Number two, another blessing of a broken heart is that it makes you the focus of the power of Jesus. Probably could have put that number one. Benefit of a broken heart. It makes you the focus of the power of Jesus. Where do we get that? Jesus made it very clear when he read from Isaiah 61 that he understood not everybody that he would speak to or would hear his voice would be open to what he had to say. That he would not be given the power to communicate effectively to everyone on the face of the earth. The anointing was specific, and in that sense, the anointing of Jesus was limited. Here's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive. In other words, the brokenhearted will be able to hear. The captives, it'll sound good to them. But the ones who don't think they're captives, the ones whose hearts have never been broken, What I have to say will fall on deaf ears. Now, folks, if that was true of Jesus, that's going to be true of us too. The, the context for the good news of Jesus to be heard and to be received is the context of broken hearts 
crush dreams, can go no farther on my own. I need some outside help. But if that's not in the equation, people won't hear you. Just like they haven't heard Jesus and they still don't hear Jesus. But you know what? You live long enough on planet Earth. Sooner or later, trouble bigger than your ability to handle it will more than likely knock on your door. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And as he does that work in the population in general, there is the creation of desperate hearts, of broken hearts, of ones feeling their captivity and wanting to be free, of ones knowing that I'm heavy and I wish I could be light. And then what Jesus, the anointed one, has to offer sounds real good. But you can't make a, somebody who's already stuffed hungry for another piece of pie. You, you, can't, you can't make somebody who's never known a sad night, never known abandonment, never known the kinds of sorrows that come from loved ones just walking out of their lives. You, it's, hard, it's hard to even draw a picture of what a broken heart looks like. But Jesus specializes. Jesus' anointed power is to speak right into the place of brokenness, the place of captivity, the place of mourning, and show his power to set the captive free. So when you're in that place, when you're in one of these categories, or maybe you feel like all of them are you, in Isaiah 61, it makes you the focus of the power of Jesus in that sense. That's why it just seems to make even more sense. Go see the doctor. It's not that he doesn't want to help. It's not that he doesn't have power to help. It's that he wants you and nearness with you more than he wants anything else that you could bring. Your brokenness doesn't turn him away. Your captivity isn't an offense to him. He specializes in captivity. He specializes in broken hearts. He specializes in wills that are choosing the wrong things and thoughts that are going the wrong direction has the ability to bring every thought into the captivity of Christ. A broken heart blesses you with, by opening you up to the voice of the Lord, by making you the focus of the power of Jesus. Number three, a broken heart will help you make a critical choice. A broken heart will help you make a critical choice. 
I'll show you this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, just real quickly. Verse 26, be angry, Paul writes, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He is writing that to believers. He's not writing that to unbelievers. He's writing this to the church at Ephesus. And he's saying that you as a Christian, we as Christians, have the ability to invite Satan in to the inner part of who we are, not to take us to hell, but to set up a stronghold, set up a foothold from which he can begin to work again from the inside out and to the outside in. And we do that by holding on to anger, holding on to anger. We've still got our right and left hand around that person's neck. Now, it may have happened 30 years ago. They may have gone on and left this life, or they may have moved on to another total life, and they hadn't thought of us by name or that situation in 30 years. But it still owns us. Your ex, former employer, some situation that didn't work out the way you thought, but you, you were vested in it, your heart was in it. And when it didn't work out, when the whole thing went south, and maybe there was a great measure of vindictiveness going on, place where I'm broken. Uh, let's take some courage to own up to it, but the place that I'm broken is every time that name comes up. Every time that season in my life comes up, I just feel, I just feel the joy to just choke the life right out of whoever that was. A broken heart will help you make a hard choice and the right choice. A broken heart reminds you, if, if, if that's a part of the equation in your life, it reminds you that I'm stuck. I'm no better. Time has not healed this wound. But a broken heart and the Jesus who specializes in the broken heart. When you go to the doctor and you take that part of your heart and you give that to him, Lord, I'm broken here, I'm a captive here, I'm stuck here, I'm sad here, I mourn here. And it's amazing how he has the ability to create inside your heart the ability to trust him with the future of those who hurt you. Because, you see, that's why we hold on to them. Is we feel like someone or another, if I hold on to them hard enough, then that means they're going to get what they deserve. 
Everybody else may have forgotten about it, but I'm going to tell you, I hadn't forgotten about it. And what has that done for you, child? Stuck you. High-centered in life. Jesus comes to the place of that broken heart. And he says, turn them over to me. Trust me with their future. The way of the transgressor is hard. He wrote that. Vengeance is mine. Never going to be ours. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. A broken heart can be the catalyst, can be the doorway into getting this thing, this resentment, this pent-up anger. I mean, you know, some, some people blow up with anger. Some people pout with anger. Some people cuss with anger. Some people, whatever they do with anger. But it's the same thing in the human heart. It's got you seething. It's got you stirring. It's caused the, the resentment is great, and it won't go away. And Jesus would say, I am anointed with power to set you free from that place of resentment where, where you, you turn them over to me and then turn their outcome over to me. How good is it working for you to be trying to determine their outcome now? They don't even know your name anymore. But you're stuck back here. He doesn't... He doesn't hit delete, but I'm telling, there are, there are many in this room who could testify to this. When the Lord heals your broken heart in the place of anger and resentment toward a specific person, and he gives you the ability to just, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're saying they weren't so bad or it didn't hurt that much. It, it all is true. It hurt. It was awful. It was criminal. Whatever it was, that's still the truth. But you've given it to him. Lord, I can't carry this. Lord, the more I hold on to this, the more it breaks me. And the farther I get behind, I, I give it to you. And then, Lord, I'm going to trust you with their future. I'm not God's high sheriff. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the judge. You are. When that happens, when he does that work, starts doing that work. Let me just tell you, freedom begins to come to your soul Amen. like you may have never, ever, ever experienced it. Yeah. Your shoe size doesn't change. Your eye color doesn't change. Maybe your belt size will. Maybe it won't. But the inside of you is free. The inside of you is no longer trying to control something that you were never given authority to control and manage. Yes. Yes. i help you to make a critical choice, and that is to release, i.e. equal forgive. The word to forgive means to release, to release, to release release them unto you. 
Well, that brings up the fourth thing, and I'll hurry on through these last two. A broken heart will bless you by taking you to a place of freedom that you've never known. Free from oppression. Because the one that you've been able to forgive now no longer has the power. And you've given them the power. You have given them the power. Some of them are dead and still have power over you. Or is that their No, that's your. You have enabled them. You have empowered them. And a part of Jesus' heat on a broken heart is speaking truth to that part. Wait a minute. They're gone. They're out of here. Why are you letting them still own you? I need a doctor's appointment, Lord. I need a doctor's appointment. I'm coming to see you at that place. I don't know why I do that, to which Jesus will say, it's your mind with your memories and your conclusions and your choices that are informing your emotions. I specialize in healing those places. Give it to me. Give it to me. It will take you to a place of freedom like you've never known. The pain, the resentment, the fear, the domination. Free. The fifth one is a broken heart will establish your future as good and strong and blessed. Here's what I mean by that. What kind of person would you be if you didn't have a broken heart? What kind of things would you dare to attempt if the words from the past that crushed you or the events of things that try to keep playing themselves as the inevitable future for you, what kind of person would you be at home, at work, with people you care about? But more importantly, what kind of person would you be to you if you were free? He says, I set the captives free so they don't have to go back to prison. I heal the brokenhearted so they don't have to stay confused. They don't have to stay empty. They don't have to stay at the place of hesitation and fear. I set the captives free. I'm anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Now, folks, again... You're not going to hear this. This has been about 45 minutes of your wasted time. <laughs> Unless somewhere along your road in life, 
you have met with a season of brokenness, a season of captivity. But if you've known that, maybe in that season right now, he sent his word and it healed them. You take Jesus Christ at his word and see what happens. Trust me. I am the healer of broken hearts. You got a rock in your boot? You got a splinter in your working hand? You, you, got, a, you got a neck that hurts? And put up with it. Go ahead and tough it out. But none of that makes it go away. Jesus says, I have the power to heal broken hearts such that the things that have crippled you will lose their power. And the joy of the Lord can become our strength again. The fruit of the Spirit remains the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit no matter what the circumstances are in our lives. That is proof that the power of the Spirit to set the captives free and to heal the broken hearts and for the fruit of the Spirit to rule is possible. And I pray that for all of us, myself included. Amen? Now, if you're sitting here thinking, man, I hope my wife hears this. Sure, make it a leaves around the house if she'll hear this. I want her broken heart because I know she's broke. Or some of you ladies saying the same thing. I know he's broke, God. I know he's broke. Not just financially. He's broke. He's just broken. We weren't, there's no, there's no middleman here. It's the Lord speaking straight to us. Show me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Trust you. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you for this season of opportunity that many of us find ourselves in to go deeper with you, go further with you, to get freer by the power of your spirit and to be made more whole as you heal our broken hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.